Hello and welcome to In the Limelight, Vanity Fair's entertainment and pop culture podcast. I'm Josh Duboff, Vanity Fair senior writer, and I'm here with Julie Miller, Vanity Fair senior Hollywood writer. On In the Limelight, we analyze the ins and outs of pop culture, entertainment, and celebrity from the past week, from the Kardashians to Kate Middleton and everything in between. We have so much to talk about on this week's episode. We're very excited. Uh, We have the Queen's big day trip with Meghan, their first joint engagement, and Meghan's first without Harry by her side to discuss in detail, as well as this morning late-breaking interview. Thomas Markle gave his first televised interview with Piers Morgan, and we will be discussing that in great detail. I do appreciate Tom timing that perfectly for our recording session, so thank you. Thank you to him. Um, We're also going to discuss Harry and Meghan's appearance at a different wedding over the weekend, but first we have a couple quick follow-ups. Last week, we discussed Big Little Lies filming developments, and uh, we just want to thank everyone for reaching out to us with notes and feedback. And one reminder, we were discussing Nicole Kidman and Shailene Woodley were photographed with their TV sons in kayaks. And several listeners reminded us that the sons, as we found out in the Big Little Lies finale, are actually half-brothers. Right. So they're, I guess, having some sort of group new family bonding. Just have some light kayaking and everything will be great. Maybe some fun fetty cake after. Also, a special shout out to our dear friend Jordan Bell, whose sister Alyssa lives in Monterey. And she has been kind of sending along little tips as she sees them. Josh, do you want to read this one? Well, this is a mysterious tip in that we don't know a whole lot about the circumstances, but... According to Alyssa, they filmed a scene overnight at the police station. So I'm taking that to mean that it was like a scene with some of the major characters. Because if I remember correctly, in the first season, they do those talking head oh, interviews right, at right. the but police station. Oh, right, right. But that could have been filmed anywhere, right? Exactly. So I sort of feel like if this was a worthy enough that people in town were talking about it, I feel like it must have been somehow that they kept the station open at night for Nicole and Meryl to be scuttled in. Right. I want Meryl and Nicole across the table from each other, like one bare light bulb hanging between them during yes. a full-on oh interrogation gosh, a full, scene. Like, Exactly. A one-on-one interrogation scene of just Meryl and Nicole. Mm, What would be the circumstances that would get us there? I don't know. Or maybe the only thing I'm worried about is maybe somehow Bonnie gets arrested because they somehow deduce that she was involved in pushing Skarsgård off that stairwell or whatever it was. Controversial opinion, but wouldn't mind if Bonnie was locked up. I wouldn't miss her if she was out for a few episodes. (laughs) Yeah, I don't, maybe that's going to happen where Bonnie ends up having some arc where she's like in jail and they have to go out and get her out or something. You think there's a jailbreak situation? You think Shailene Woodley is masterminding the jailbreak? You Shailene's going to take out that pick to kind of hack open the locks and get someone out. I could totally see Shailene doing that. Yeah. Any other tips about Monterey? I know Nicole finished filming. So, or at least filming in Monterey, because she posted, like, a goodbye Instagram. Right. Reese Witherspoon posted a photo of her son at, like, the Monterey Aquarium. So she's still there. Well, actually, this is kind of a nice transition. Nice in, uh, you know, speaking about one series 
that has to do with children bullying each other. Remember? That was like the whole main storyline. Mm. This is a little too too much of a stretch of a transition. No, I love that. So from one child bully to another, um, just briefly, I owe Josh an apology. Last week, we discussed Prince George and Savannah Phillips. I thought that that was the beginning of, like, a cute, fun friendship and wanted to see their buddy, like, comedy, road trip comedy, them Thelma and Louising it, Louisa-ing it. But, like, as soon as we recorded, I think almost, this video online surfaced of Savannah pushing George down a hill at a polo event. It was wild. And I my instincts were right on, I have to say. They really were. I'm never guessing them, second-guessing them again. The worst part of this clip, and I'm sure most of you have seen it, uh, I'm pretty sure we retweeted it already on the In the Limelight Twitter, but Savannah kind of shoves him down this hill. This is when they're having their casual outing we talked about last week, watching William play polo. And then... To add insult to injury, some boy, I never quite figured out exactly who he is, he must be some cousin too, kicks the piece of art that George had made just well, I didn't down even the hill see as that. well. I didn't see that. So it's like a team up sort of bullying incident where you have Savannah doing part one with the shove and then this boy doing the art uh, kind of alley-oop. And George, like, I just feel so bad for him i know that a lot of um a lot of people commented to us that like george almost gets his personality attributed to him like gary Janetti on instagram giving him this sort of persona and then i also feel like his kind of the memes that got spawned about him on twitter and i feel like this has engendered such a sense to me of like i don't know i just want him to be protected i feel so nervous for him i know this kind of reminds me of that crown episode where charles goes to boarding school and all the kids are so mean to him except now we have like internet footage of this actually happening is this normal i guess this is sort of normal cousin behavior is it it seems a little excessive excessive right especially just i would imagine like if I don't know, if I were Autumn Phillips, that's Savannah's mother, right? The mother, yeah. I don't know, I would kind of say like, okay, you do not touch the future king of England. Well, you can kind of see in the clip, I don't know if you if I would go as far as to say it looks as if Autumn is chastising Savannah, but it definitely looks like she's talking to her sternly right. after the push. I mean, the fact that this comes the day after the balcony incident, too, it was like the double whammy of Savannah just asserting her power when she covered Harry's mouth on the balcony when he was singing along to the anthem. Right. Do you think, Kate, what's her recourse going to be? I hope this results in Autumn getting like a terrible seating placement at the next gala or something. I hope the repercussions are kind of like very passive aggressive and somehow related to like the family getting a diminished standing at some event. Right. I would also, it would be a fun little movie montage if they put George in some sort of like self-defense class oh so he's better equipped better equipped I know know, but he's just so much smaller that's the thing he's four she's seven I guess I feel bad punishing her really she's seven she's just having her adolescent fun I guess but I feel like maybe the parents could be the way that Kate gets back right full-on agree in other royal news should we should we move on we have so much to discuss. I know, we really do have so much. Where this fast of a clip is the royal train taking Meghan and the Queen oh to my Chester. God. Fantastic transition. Fantastic. 
And there have been so many royal updates since this happened. I believe it was last Thursday. Yeah, it wasn't even that long ago. And I feel like as though it's eons ago with all the royal news that comes a flow in each day these days. Right, with all the all the updates. Well, Julie, what did you make? I feel like most people probably saw these photos of the Queen and Meghan having their day together. Unfortunately, I think for all of us, they did not do outfit changes. Well, actually, they sort of did, which we'll get to in a second. But the Queen was sort of in this lime green, very classic tone-on-tone look, as Megan herself would put it. And Megan wore, I guess the best way to describe it is just a very kind of like simple, form-fitting cream. Like nude-colored. Yeah, nude-colored, cream-colored dress from the same designer who did her, her wedding dress, the Givenchy designer. So people now kind of assume that in the same way Kate has always worked with Sarah Burton and Alexander McQueen, this is going to be Megan's like person for her fashion needs. This was her first public outing after appearing with that off the shoulder number. And to me, that dress, it seemed like almost a statement, like, see, my shoulders are covered. Yeah, like you wanted covered shoulders. I'll give you covered shoulders because what Julie's referencing is this kind of like, what do you even call it? Like a little cape collar armor thing almost over her shoulders that was like kind of wrapped around it was kind of cool i was into it and it made it a little funkier than we're used to seeing i think i mean like i don't think you would see kate wearing that kind of collar top situation no, that's too fashion forward for kate and i also felt confused by one of the Twitter accounts I follow, Megan's Mirror, which is great. You guys should all follow it. It's like all of her fashion info, kind of, and they could do like really good deep dives. Someone took a photo that I assume was not supposed to happen inside, I guess, the lunch they were having, and it looked as if the collar had been removed. So it was as if she was just wearing a normal sort of white dress without this kind of fashion-y cover. And I have no idea when she, how she took it off, when, why, um, what happened. Clearly, she didn't want that in public because she was only taking it off inside. What did you make of the whole day of events, Julie? Well, I kind of love earlier you said that they didn't do the costume change, but I love that Megan kind of gave you a mini costume change with that cover removal. Yes, that's true, actually. So maybe she kind of knew that was like a little nod to us to keep things exciting. I was really struck by all the photos of Megan and the Queen together. It's like they're old gal pals. They have are just giggling, whispering to each other. They seem so comfortable in each other's presence. It's just... It's kind of wild to me because I feel like Kate and the Queen have never broken it down that far. You got the sense that the Queen wanted to make it as sort of easy for Megan as possible. Right. And one of the things that got the most attention was this kind of, people called it like a snafu. I don't think it was that serious, but there was this kind of awkward car moment, which is how most people referred to it which was when they kind of were getting off the train and waiting for the Bentley. And there was like confusion over who should get in the car first. Just like us, yes, when we're waiting for the Yeah, Julie and I have this problem, who should get into the, the Uber first when we're leaving work and heading to the bar. I liked that Megan took a kind of hands-on approach to figuring this out. She didn't sit back. She said, what's your preference? She asked the queen. The queen said, you go first. And then... Megan said, oh, okay. 
And then she got into the car. But it was kind of awkward. Like, they almost bumped into each other. Right. So the video is kind of... Like, you can feel the awkwardness, Megan not knowing what to do. Right. I read somewhere after that the queen prefers to always be a passenger on the driver's side of the vehicle, which maybe it's like Megan hazily recalled that chapter in whatever prep manual she had to read but couldn't quite remember who goes first now i'm like re-watching on a loop the video of them getting in the car it is awkward <laughs> like megan megan makes it because she almost asked this other guy did you see that yeah yeah and she kind of leans in asks the queen the queen i guess says like you go first so then she kind of leaps over her but i kind of i really appreciate these they're not gaffes but they're moments of like yeah she doesn't like a real person right she doesn't know exactly what she's doing i appreciate these noticeable moments of confusion because i feel like we never really had that with kate yes everything was so seamless and sort of efficient and she was always kind of with william kind of following him around almost i and so, did they stay on the train overnight? Yeah, so they went overnight the night before. I found out there was no showers on these trains, so you have to take a bath. And they, I guess, had sort of a, a team of people there, but I was interested to find out that you don't get, like, a hair and makeup team on this train, so Megan did her own hair and makeup for the day. Interesting. In your fan fiction, what happens after they make this appearance, after they've both taken their baths or whatever, what do they get together and do on the train? Here's what I think. I think Megan definitely tried to initiate some sort of activity or kind of was like, oh, I thought you might look like to look at these photos I took and have like an album ready to go. Or like, oh, like I have a deck of cards. I know you love playing bridge or like whatever it might be. I feel like she had some idea. And I feel like the queen, uh, I could go either way. I was about to say the queen like shut it down. But also I sort of feel like the queen was really into Megan. I know. I feel like she was really into Megan too. So maybe they kind of looked through the album together, did some knitting for an hour or, you know, watched a movie. I don't know what you do on the train. Right, because when we see the queen at all these formal appearances, she always has that public mask on where she's never quite smiling. But here it was just unabashed. Giggling. Yeah, completely. Joy. What do you think? Do you think they actually have a good dynamic off camera? I think they do. I think they do. And I think Kate Middleton is really jealous. She did not realize how jealous she would be. She did not think this was at all a scenario. She was kind of hoping for this new person to come in so the heat would be off her. And, then, and she was like, George, Charlotte, we're going back to the park for another outing next weekend. Right. I mean, yeah, I think that's right. I mean, this also happened so fast. I sort of feel like the queen has made us, like what you were saying, a specific point of, I don't know, boosting Megan up a little bit. I feel like this didn't have to happen this quickly. The Kate's first appearance with the Queen didn't happen until a year in. Like, solo, I mean. So, I'm curious to see how this kind of buddy comedy develops. If they're going to start doing more events, like, what will happen. I feel like this is so good for the royal family. So good. All the photos of them together laughing it up. I saw so many people posting, like, that one photo of Meghan with her hands up while the Queen is giggling. I feel like there's a lot of, like, goodwill being created by these two. Right. What did you think of Megan's comment? Susan Briscoe, a royal fan, 61. She deserves a In the Limelight medal for kind of inquiring uh, about the marriage to Megan. But Megan told her that Harry is the best husband ever. 
And she said, married life is wonderful. I'm really enjoying it. And then when Briscoe said, and Julie, is this what we would have done too? She said, Megan, you look so radiant. And the Duchess replied, that's so kind. That's so Megan. It's just perfect. The whole exchange is really amazing. I want a little more detail. Like, best husband ever. I feel like she can give us a specific. I know. I want anecdotes. Exactly. I love picturing you in Sharon Briscoe's position, and you just won't let her off with, I'm really enjoying it. Also, like, Sharon Briscoe deserves... If I was there, I'd be like... I would take Sharon Briscoe out for wine after. Like, that's a good... She kind of pressed, I feel like, a little. And I think she did a good reporter tactic of trying to keep the conversation going, you know? Right. She had a (laughs) follow-up. Congratulations, Sharon Briscoe. Yeah. She joins the pantheon of these kind of, like, on-the-fly TMZ-style fans who just kind of are there to watch, and then they kind of get their moment in the sun. I guess thinking about the Queen, their tour, it makes Tom Markle's decision to make his first, you know, public interview appearance even stranger doesn't it yeah the thomas markle scene is intense okay so tom as we know oh so well he did not attend his daughter's wedding after a few health scares kind of a pr scandal but on monday he did appear live with piers morgan for an interview that aired on good morning britain tom was speaking from california he did not fly to london but it was interesting because his, his expression when they cut to him was kind of like a scowl. Like he did not look that happy to be there, though he was definitely there by his own volition. Unless Samantha Markle was like backstage with some sort of script slash playbook director's hat. Right. She's holding up cue cards behind the camera. I mean, this whole thing, we'll get into exactly what he said, but it's just sort of sad. And the timing, I agree with you, is really weird. It's a few weeks after the wedding, but it's like, let her live. And, you know, she... Right. Something's off. It's still a little too soon for me. Yeah. And I still don't totally get, I mean, the motive being... You know, I guess if he was paid for this. I feel like he had to have been paid, don't you think? Yeah, and I I know Rebecca English, uh, one of the major kind of royal reporters in the UK who works for the Daily Mail, said he was paid thousands of pounds, but that doesn't really even seem like that much for what this is. You know what I mean? It was a full 20-minute interview. Yeah, like like if he got 3,000 pounds, like, I mean, yeah, it's a good amount, but it's, I don't know, there's just something about this that isn't, I don't know. It makes me so uncomfortable. Right. I mean, some of the revelations, quote unquote, were were kind of sweet. And I think in general, he has, you know. He had some good lines. Yeah. I think there were just a few things that were strange. And I feel like overall, if you're Megan, you're going to probably not talk to him much if at all anymore right right i mean that's also to me like the undercurrent is like this is it like that's kind of if you're going to talk to the press and tell them all this stuff megan said on the phone like you're just basically saying like all right like this is done right to me my sense my impression was that he had some sort of script like he had gone over the talking points ahead of time he was very nervous. He was like sweating, kind of wiping his forehead, his brow. But there were yeah. a few moments where I feel like he kind of went rogue, went off script and said some truly bizarre things. Pierce started out by asking Tom to recount how Meghan first told him that she was dating Prince Harry. Well, the first phone calls were, uh, Daddy, I have a new boyfriend. 
And I, I said, that's really nice. And then the next call was like, he's British. And I said, well, that's really nice. And then eventually the third time around was like, he's a prince. And um, at that at that point, she said, he's, it's Harry. And I said, oh, Harry, okay. And Tom plays this so cool. It's like he is not ruffled at all by the news. It's like he's had other relatives date bigger royals or something. Agreed. There's such a weird deadpan quality to the whole thing. I'm just thrown. I mean, first of all, the deadpan, as we already discussed, but also... I mean, I guess I understand that she waited in increments to break the news to him, but the fact that he's so blasé and we'll call him H so nobody knows. And now, I don't know. I just, I don't know. Right. That seems like a a detail that's almost too private. Yeah. Like, why is this being out there? Exactly. Like, I just feel like this whole chain of events even being spoken about is making me uncomfortable. Right. Even though we treat this whole interview like we're scavengers, picking it apart for every single detail. We're like, he should have kept that one to himself. Flash, and now we're like memorizing the whole dialogue and like going to recite it later at a bar. Yeah, agreed. Some of the things he said, for example, Tom's assessment of Harry. Very nice man, gentleman. Um, Man, very likable, so. It's a little bit lukewarm, I would agree. Right. It sounds like he's describing a mediocre job candidate because he just was not excited. It was like he was trying to find diplomatic, like, euphemisms for his demeanor. The whole thing is, you think, is it possible he just isn't that impressed by a British royal? Or, or is he trying to play it down for the cameras? Was he nervous that he was on air? I guess there's probably a lot of factors at play. Right. Is he so overly rehearsed that he's just, like citing the lines that samantha wrote out for him right so maybe like him and samantha practice this so many times that like he can't even really channel the emotion of what it was like to find out his daughter was dating prince harry right then piers asks tom why he wasn't more shocked by the news because his his non-plussed demeanor is very it really takes you back you know this is my daughter uh my daughter's certainly certainly a prize for him as well yeah, he's great. He's an interesting guy. He's a prince. But my daughter's been a princess since the day she was born. I don't have a problem with that. Okay. Whatever publicist, PR strategist came up with that line, I think needs a raise. I need that ghostwriter to like ghostwrite my tweets or something. But Josh, do you think that was that was heartfelt? Do you think that came from Tom? I'm sure his daughter has been his princess since the day she was born. I'm not sure he came up with that exact formulation, but maybe. That's very nice. I, I love that it also follows the, this description of Prince Harry. Yeah, he's great. An interesting guy. A prince. <laughs> Like, has a prince ever been described with less excitement? I know. Seriously. Uh. But then I guess, yeah, I actually do, I agreed with you that calling, saying, the line, my daughter has been a princess since the day she was born, is sweet. I do appreciate that line. Yes. Um, the, he asked, Pierce kept asking, kept, like, pushing Tom for details because Tom yeah. kind of just gave short answers. He asked about uh, the first time he spoke to Harry on the phone. He said he wasn't that nervous. He's quite easy to talk to. He's a very comfortable person to talk to. I wasn't nervous. We're, we're 5,000, 10,000 miles apart. It's hard to be nervous with somebody I'm talking to on the phone. Tom said, we've had interesting conversations on the phone. He's a smart guy. Uh, talked a few times about Donald Trump and Brexit, things like that. Here's where, to me, 
in the other parts, I had the feeling of why are you sharing this? Or this is a strange thing to be talking about to Piers Morgan about your very high profile daughter. But in this case, I just don't necessarily believe it. Like they talked about Donald Trump and Brexit on the phone. The only thing I could think of is sort of, um, you know, when it's like Thanksgiving or Christmas and you're home with your family and you just have to make kind of awkward small talk like maybe somehow the beginning of their phone conversation was related to Donald Trump and Brexit and that, you know, Thomas Markle just in his Thomas Markley way brought it up. So Harry was just trying to be polite. Right. And sort of said something back to him. But I don't, I don't know. That's to me the extent of what it would have been. Right. The other thing that I thought it could be, my other theory was that he speaks later on in the interview about how posing for those photos it was all about he wanted to revamp his image so is this tom just wanting to like inflate his you know persona as the smart like politically involved politically minded person right right i think that's possible because it's bizarre like he did not at all ask if they discussed politics Tom just brought it up. I could see Samantha being like, we're, 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 we're changing your narrative. Like, exactly. Like, you're, you're going to be this kind of, you're going to, like, maybe like they want to run for office or something. Right. <laughs> just kidding. Definitely not. <laughs> Poor Tom. I feel like he couldn't hear. He kept, like, pushing the earpiece yeah, in his I ear. Kept, I, I noticed that, too. In my mind, I was thinking Samantha was in his other ear directing him from wherever if she wasn't right behind camera. Anyway. Piers asked, what was the first thing Prince Harry said to you? What was the first thing he said to you? He said, uh, hello, Thomas. And I, I said, uh, hi, Harry. And then he said it became a conversation about politics. He was asking me how I was feeling that day. We talked a little bit how they met and how happy they were with each other. That was pretty much it. And then didn't he also say that he said something about like giving Donald Trump a chance or something? But that to me also feels like if that if he did say that, if Harry did say that, he said it. In a, in a slightly different way than like at face value there's no way i don't think or he was just like yeah well we have to see how this all plans out like the way you just make awkward small talk Piers asked how he heard about the engagement harry harry got on the phone with megan they called me together and uh harry asked for her hand over the phone and i said uh you're a gentleman uh Promise me you'll never raise your hand against my daughter. And of course, I give you my permission. That struck me as super odd. I mean, I just don't even know what to say. The part that was even more strange is that Piers didn't bat an eyelash. <laughs> he didn't ask any sort of follow-up questions. Like, Yeah, like, is that an age-old thing? Promise me you'll never raise your hand against my daughter and I'll give you permission? Like, who's heard of that being this, the way you respond to the, your future son-in-law asking for your daughter's hand in marriage? And then... He says, the royals are very complicated and it's a whole different lifestyle. My daughter is capable of anything and she will certainly be a compliment to the royal family. I thought these were sweet lines. Yeah. I mean, the standard right now is so, like, bizarre and low that I kind of, yeah, I agree. Those are nice. But it was it was just weird because he was saying these very sweet things, but there wasn't a lot of emotion behind it. But again, maybe he was kind of paralyzed by the whole camera setup, being on camera. Who knows? Piers lobbed up a question about the photo scandal situation. Tom's response was, this was a presentation to me to change my image because for the last year, photographs of me were always derogatory. They would take pictures of my hands grabbing a beer, taking the garbage out, 
buying a toilet. They took all kinds of pictures of me making me look negative. I thought this would be a nice way of improving my look. That all obviously went to hell. That was a mistake. I didn't do this for money, he later says. I did this to change my image. And I love Julie's kind of thought, reading comprehension question at the end of this one. Who does he think he is, Angelina Jolie? Right, like who is he that he needs to change his image? This is about his daughter. And also, I I feel like I felt this before because this came up when they initially kind of did the explanation about the staged photos, but it wasn't, I almost felt like they were overstating. We're reading these Daily Mail posts and looking at these paparazzi photos more intently than 99% of the world. I didn't feel like they were necessarily derogatory negative in the way he's making it seem. I feel like you definitely always felt like this is a guy who's not trying to be photographed and he's going about his life and there was something a little invasive about it. But it was never like this drastic the way he's portraying it right it's not like they had some huge zoom lens and were getting him inside his home or anything it was just strange to me again that when he staged these photos he didn't spring for even like a crew neck sweatshirt he still had that big hoodie on i mean i just this whole the whole stage photo thing is like you can't make this up this is crazy right so Piers asked how mad Megan and Harry were. Earlier in the interview, Tom said that Harry and Megan had both asked him not to speak to press, essentially told him that even if he gave them a comment, that would only encourage the press more. Piers did not ask Tom about all of his relations with TMZ, but he did ask how they responded. And Tom said, I talked to them both and I apologized. Hard to take it back. They were very forgiving about it. And he said Megan still wanted him to come to the wedding. Right. He said he still had his ticket booked. He said Megan went to all of these lengths. Megan Megan was putting together uh, uh, fittings for me and things uh, to take, uh, get, make suits for me and shoe sizes. And uh, and, uh, actually it was all done sort of secret. They'd uh, arrange for me to show up in Los Angeles or in uh, Beverly Hills under a different name to get a fitting and things like that. Which, like, I want to see that movie where Tom Markle is given the Princess Diaries treatment. Also, as we can already uh, surmise, that would not have gone off without a hitch. Like, that, he's not, this is not a suave character. Right, but the fact that he's just saying, like, that it was possible for him to be doing all these things in top secret. The weirder thing was that he said he regretted, his big regret was that he was just a footnote in history rather than the man who walked Megan down the aisle. That, to me, felt like a line that someone had written for him, too. That was a zinger of a line, the footnote in history. Right, but I felt like, you know, the better line, if I was his PR strategist, would have been, like, my big regret is I was not there to walk my daughter down the aisle. Oh, I see. Like, focus on the actual, right? Like, not like my place part in of history it, not like books. my place in history. That's true. That is odd. That feels Samantha Markley, the footnote in history part. It does. I just can't get over that he gave this interview and then within the interview said they were very emphatic about not giving about me not giving any information to the press or speaking to them. Like how does that not register then if that's exactly what you're doing? I don't know. So Josh, what do you think? Do you think this was planned? Do you think Megan and Harry signed off on this at all? Do you no, think they saw no. the questions? You don't think so? I mean, I want to think she didn't know. I did see kind of an interesting thread by a Sun reporter 
that there's just a lot of questions that still remain about like why haven't why didn't the palace send someone to kind of help him out much earlier on like like six months ago why didn't they just kind of have him come over to london months in advance i know he wanted to avoid the attention but like it just all felt very last minute they were going to fly him out the wednesday before and also someone pointed out, which I thought was a good point, even Doria going so close seemed a little weird. Like she originally had been going to go out way earlier. It seems like there's a lot that's going on here behind the scenes. You know when like something just feels a little fishy? Like there's just something else going on here maybe. Like I just don't get it. I mean, I trust your instinct after Savannah Gates, but this is just... Don't, don't you also feel like Megan? I mean, how can you, if this is your dad, like... I mean, I just don't know. I guess it's your father. It's so complicated. But don't you just kind of have to cut him out now? Right. Especially, he's still speaking to press. He had TMZ on speed dial. I was thinking that they had finally, the palace had somehow muzzled him. I know. And now this is like a whole different outlet. I don't know. I feel bad. But I also just, I'm also wondering what Samantha Markle's plotting because we haven't heard from her in a while. Right. And is, what's our girl's name? 61-year-old... Sharon Briscoe. Can Sharon Briscoe go <laughs> like to get on the scene here? Yeah, go to the next stop of the Queen and Meghan's tour and ask some follow-up questions about her father's interview. This is where we've gone here before, Julie, but like if Megan had an Instagram or something where she could just succinctly comment or um refute. I guess they don't want to wade into this kind of mess, but I just I'm sure they're gonna do their usual and the palace won't comment, but I feel like if this continued or somehow escalated, I don't you feel like they're going to have to do something? Yes. It's bizarre. Thomas. One more one more note that I feel like this was so managed and there was like a pre-interview. They didn't ask how he spent Father's Day if he got a Father's Day call from Megan, right? Amazing call that this was on Father's Day too. Right, right. I guess do they not celebrate? They don't celebrate that in the UK, but still. In happier Megan-related weekend news, uh, she and Harry went to what we believe is the first wedding they've attended since their own wedding, uh, which was Harry's first cousin. And her name is Celia McCorquodale. This rolls off the tongue. That is a name. <laughs> Princess Diana's niece. And... Harry Meghan coming was probably not a, was not a surprise to Celia, I presume, but was a surprise in the sense that we didn't know it was going to be happening. And Julie, if you're this cousin, are you either overjoyed that you're important enough to get Harry and Meghan at your wedding, or are you so annoyed that all anyone is going to ever talk about related to your wedding is Harry and Meghan's presence at it? I think I am annoyed, but less so after seeing the fit of Meghan's dress. And maybe Meghan even did that as like a sympathetic a yes. sort of a gesture. Yes. That was her gift to the bride. So we'll talk about the dress uh, in a minute, but... I will. No- we should note that Celia wore the same tiara that Princess Diana wore for her wedding, which I would think is extremely stressful, never having been nor ever going to be a bride. Like, I just can't really imagine what that would be like to have this like extremely valuable historical artifact on my head for my entire wedding. Um, 
like obviously I guess nothing's gonna happen, but it just seems like a crazy responsibility to have Princess Diana's wedding tiara on your head for your wedding. It's it's a lot of pressure. Yeah, exactly. And like knowing you're gonna get all these side by side composites of you and Diana, it's just it's a lot. I don't know. She looked great though wearing it. So good for her. Um <laughs> Megan, I'm sure that's what she was waiting for to find out what this random podcast host in New York had to say about her wedding tiara. Um Megan's dress, though, as Julie has already alluded to, was extremely controversial. It was blue and white floral Oscar de la Renta in the 2019 collection. So you can order it now, but you won't get it until 2019, which at, at that point, hopefully people will have forgotten the negative feedback Megan got to wearing it in 2018. Um it sells for $5,490 if you're interested in making that purchase for your um, next 2019 wedding. Uh, I, I was going to ask Julie if she would ever order or slash wear this dress, but I think I can tell the answer before I would even ask. It's more of like a duvet print. This dress is insane. I really don't even feel like we can. you can do it justice. I mean, we'll, we'll definitely will post it so you guys can see it yourself if you haven't. It's like, it looks like a curtain this reminds me of um, <laughs> such a weird example, but like sometimes you'll just be kind of cold and you'll just like pick up a sh- bed sheet or something and just wrap it around your body when you're watching a movie or something. That's to me the fit. Like it just does not even look, it's not even like a loose fit. It's like a tablecloth. Right. It's like imagine if Maria from The Sound of Music didn't have as good of tailoring skills because it's just like draped loosely over her bodice it's kind of strange it's like a laura ashley floral print almost yeah and with the same shoes that she wore to her wedding reception right but i do i do like the theory that maybe she was like hey i don't want to steal the thunder i'm gonna wear this really not greatly fitted dress and maybe i'll fit in though this is the thing with this strategy because people will say this about kate when she goes to weddings too kate doesn't go this far and not upstaging but i feel as though when you go this when you wear something this in the other direction, I mean, if we're going on the theory that she knew it was sort of a not the best flattening look, like, you're almost attracting from it more. If she just wore, like, a simple, nice dress, right. I feel like people wouldn't really have talked much about it. But the fact that she wore such a weird, wild cut, um, and then she almost tripped in it, which I thought was also got a lot of attention, I mean, I don't think that was like the dress's fault that she almost tripped, but the way people wrote about it, you would think they were blaming the dress for it. And then um, Katie Weaver, friend of the podcast who was on a few weeks ago, sent me a tip to check out um, Oliver De La Renta, Oscar, not Oliver, Oscar De La Renta's Instagram, I guess, posted this dress and then they turned off the comments because they were getting such negative comments about it. And so then they took down the entire post, but now they're saying they deleted it because of a rights issue. But like, I don't buy that because that that photo was everywhere. So I don't think they deleted it because of a rights that issue. That is amazing recon really from Katie. But also, like, how crazy is that that they had to take down the the dress photo? But I feel like this whole segment has just been validated by that little tidbit. Oh yeah, it is. No, I don't see it. Yeah, I see a very similar looking dress. Or is that even the dress itself? They posted this yesterday. But it's like a model wearing it, right. not Megan. Right, on the runway. I don't know. I do kind of feel like you're right, and I want to think that she was just trying to not wear anything that was going to be super flattering or attention-grabbing, but this was 
a misfire because it did it did that it did grab the attention and now all of the commenters are angrily posting on this latest instagram which is just of the runway model wearing the same dress saying what really oscar de la renta deleting a litany of comments that say the truth that megan didn't look good in that dress really and then someone responds they knew it didn't look good on her which is why they deleted the photo of her wearing it and then someone oh my else gosh, says, you're right. LMAO, truth hurts. Meghan Markle cheap in this dress. What bad PR. Like, these are your customers, your sons. Oh, whatever happened to freedom of speech? <laughs> That's kind of a stretch. Whatever happened to freedom of speech? I agree. Oscar to learn to put the photo back up. <laughs> Ooh, she, Meghan or any one woman would look hideous with that sack. Weird fashion trend. I can't believe they deleted the photo. That is weird. Because all that does is create more attention, too. And apparently a bunch of these commenters say they've just been deleting, like, negative comments. Wow, I love the scandal. I mean, now I'm wondering, it just wasn't that bad, was it? And now I'm almost going, this is making me go back in the other direction and feel maybe like it's an overreaction. Megan is a beautiful woman. I just didn't like the dress. It looks like a big china plate. Kiara, our photo editor and friend of the podcast, sent me a kind of a screenshot of the blue and white china she said that's what it reminded her of too i mean i could just read these all day i like that they can't stop these people from commenting they're just going to comment on every single post i know all right well i think that's all that needs to be said about this wedding celia hopefully had a great day <laughs> wait one more there's one mesa bear 105 theorizes that megan was feeling bloated and dressed accordingly i mean the dress looks comfortable i'll give it that i will also give it that it'd be funny if like seven hours from now i come back down to the podcast studio and julie's still looking through <laughs> comments about this oscar to learn to dress and just reading them herself i mean it's kind of amazing share your favorites with us that we haven't read yet Wow, what a royal palooza. What a tour. That does it for this week's episode of In the Limelight. Thank you guys so much for listening. Please remember to check us out on Apple Podcasts, rate, review, leave us your favorite Oscar de la Renta comments about Megan's dress. We really appreciate it. Also, feel free to reach out to us on Twitter at In the Limelight. You can also follow us individually. I'm at Julie W. Miller. And I'm at Jay Duboff. We also are on Instagram at In the Limelight Pod. This episode was edited and produced by Danielle Roth. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll talk to you next week. Until then, no no bad bad energy. energy.